Drive the run! Oh, oh, run. 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 Give run. it to the Kiwi! <laughs> yeah, give it to the Kiwis. Well, we go around the world trying oh. to learn how to fish and you know, learn how to fish different places around the world as well. And where to fish? Well, we're going deep south. We're going oh. to the southern parts of New Zealand. Our cousin bro's just across the road not there. Not far away. Not that far away. I always go to the North Island and catch a lot of snapper. This is a whole different ball game down Way south. Way different. And we're going to catch up right now with Casey, who's been there since uh, the early 90s. And wildangler.com is his website. Casey, thank you for joining us on the Anglers podcast. Can we ask, can I ask straight up, what kind of fish do you go for and whereabouts do you fish? Because it would be cold. Yeah. Uh, we we do all kind of trout, but mostly brown trout. And if uh, when I first moved here, I'd caught more rainbows. I've been living in the Appalachian Mountains area in, in Atlanta. And uh, I the first trout I ever caught were uh, cutthroat trout in the Rio Grande in New Mexico. I grew up in Texas, and uh, it does have an artificial trout fishery coming out of Canyon Lake. and that's down by San Antonio. But mostly I grew up fishing spring creeks in central Texas. And there's a Devil's River guide in Texas who used to work for 3M too as an executive. He'd go back and forth being a fly fishing guide and executive. And he ended up settling on guiding. But I talked to him one time and he said, you'd be surprised the number of people who grew up on central Texas spring creeks who are sight fishing guides all over the world for a bunch of different species. There's something about looking at, at fish in clear water that kind of seizes your imagination. And so we, we stock brown trout primarily. And when I first started, most of my clients were probably beginner to intermediate. But these days, I still do beginners and like it a lot. But my clientele now is uh, intermediate to expert. And a lot of them ask for dry fly fishing. You know, you can catch a lot of fish consistently on double nymph rigs, fish through ripples, particularly in the middle of the summer when the trout are seeking out oxygen. But... Uh, if you, if you experience consistent dry fly fishing, and this year, 85 to 90% of the fish we're landing are on a dry fly, decided active fish. It'll The first couple of times you do it, it's intimidating, particularly if they swim and look at you before they reject a fly. Wow. Really? And uh, the, the moment from them sighting the fly and taking seems to last an eternity as they rise. <laughs> your very, whole life can flash very, before your eyes in that very cool visual. period. They're extremely visual. And uh, they're, they're also, when you spot them at a distance or in ambiguous circumstances some people are better at processing that than others some people do it really good right away and uh, sometimes you can sharpen your your ability over time but uh, if you're a good guide your reputation your client success depends on that and your ability to teach them to cast and to be quiet and still and stop well, I'd be uh, no good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would struggle. Wow. No, we, no, but we, <laughs> we got the loudest man in the world here right now. How would you go being still and well, quiet? This is what I want to ask. So it's not just a matter of throwing a line in, a, and and you know, in, in a fish abundant area. You've got to hunt them with stealth. It starts by trying to break down what category you put the fish you see in. Is it dormant? Is it semi-awake and feeding a little bit, you know, like once every seven minutes? Is it, you know, is it feeding once, you know, every seven seconds? Is it eating little things daintily like, you know, a mint? Or is it, you know, bring me everything in a bucket and off the menu? Really? <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, when you, when you start getting, you know, when you start getting where you're focused on their behavior, <laughs> as I have for about 30 years, 
you see little subtleties like their little tails will wag like a dog depending upon their mood really? uh, you know the fly floats by and their little tails will pick up you know it'll, it'll wag heavily and you know they might if your fly's not right on the feeding lane they might rise up and look and then go back down and you don't know if you put them down or they're having a look and they're a little reluctant and uh it's a gray area when to move on you know when is the alert fish worth casting to or when do you go find another one so fish have more brains than we actually think they don't have a brain that only lasts three seconds because they have certain techniques that you can pick up yeah and uh so there's a big argument about whether or not we anthropomorphize or in common terms project our human behaviors onto trout you know all things being equal if you if you have a good presentation for both casters the guy with the right pattern and timing timing is really important too I've heard that. If you see them rising every seven seconds and you see a spot on the river that takes a piece of foam two seconds to drift, you cast at five and your hook weight rate goes up if you get – I don't know if I explain that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. As, as basic as that is, it took me too long to learn that. <laughs> wow. You, you are the fly fishing. You're the trout whisperer. He is. Jeez, Casey. So- well, I'm an enthusiast. Right now uh, – Southland and Otago are both kind of slipping on the edge of a drought, so I'm trying to focus on bigger water like the Matar, or I may go up to the Ohariri. Um, but even though Dunedin, for example, is a coastal city, it's on the dry side of the mountains, so it's got some local rivers that fish really well in the spring. One of them in particular, it is wilderness-sized brown trout, even though it's a little farm river. And uh, in the spring, the flows are right. The Maori word for the river is Wahimo, and it means the river that disappears because in drought years, parts of it go underground, and what you have instead of a flowing river with a little bit of riffles is you have a bunch of dead, flat, clear pools with huge fish. And when I first moved here in 93, the the surveys of that river were 60% resident browns and 40% sea runs. These days, it's the opposite. It's 60% sea runs and 40% large residents. Wow. And... uh, and man, they're magnificent. Then they're, they're they're really hard. And what gets me is there's a bridge by town where you, where everybody was hunting this one big fish that was probably longer than your leg that I saw on three occasions and we could never land. A trail longer sitting, than your leg. I was, sitting, I, was, I, was, I was sitting on the bridge and this local drove by and he goes, you're looking for that big bastard, aren't you? I goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, everybody in town and their dog are after that thing. He goes over that pool and he runs under the wood pile when he sees you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's a resident fish. Didn't it? Can I ask, Casey, you know, that, that southern part of New Zealand, a beautiful part, where is your favourite place to fish around that area? Because, or, and, and what's the best time of the year? Because it can get very, very cold there, obviously, during the winter, but Ooh. spectacular during the summer. Bone chilling. Well, our low country opens October 1st. Our high country mostly opens November 1st. There's some central South Island things that open the first Saturday in November, I think, to to protect the guys who work a nine to five. Uh, in the early season, I like fishing the small tributaries of Southland and Otago. I'm talking the Matara system and the Klutha system. You look forward to it because it's the first rising trout after winter. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, th- those are a lot of fun. And November 1st is when a lot of people target the high country. The, uh, the tributaries that feed Lake Wakatipu and Lake Hawaii and increasingly the west coast and those high country rivers the first day of november a lot of people go in the night before looking for a trophy fish and the fish haven't seen fly legitimately at least in five months that can be a good time to look for trophy fish particularly rainbows if you're going to the wakatipu tributaries 
Okay. And I, I got from, from Dunedin to Gore to Queenstown to Hoft. And my premium package these days is a three-day helicopter trip out of Hoft to a handful of rivers. You drive up the coast, there's some wonderful spring creeks. And then you head another couple hours north and you come to the road's end and you can fly into Kaharanti National Park. And the main rivers there are the Mokihanui and the Karamea. And they, they had... If you look at them on Google Earth, you'll be astounded at the number of fishable tributaries you find in that area. And that's that's rough country. I took a, uh, an exploratory trip out there this spring, and it's one of the roughest pieces of water I've ever had to work at. The, the first bit around the hut's good, but like the second and third day were killer. You you know, you walk three hours at deadfalls at cliff faces and slippery, wow. broken, twisty rocks that hurt your knees and ankles. <laughs> Sounds like an and adventure. You, you need, <laughs> You need to know what you're doing, and you need tracking poles, and you need to take a buddy, and you need to take a, you know a bunch of gear, wow. including an emergency. That's beacon. serious. Yeah, that, that's full on. That, but it, it's it's like our Amazon, the, the West Coast. You know, 300 inches of rain a year on the mountaintops, and uh, the mountains are close to the sea, so the rivers, some of them are steep. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Still getting fish. That's one thing I wanted to ask you. Now, I've never used a fly rod in my life. I always thought it was foreign. Anyone I've seen chucking a fly and have a look at this bloke. He's taking the piss, isn't he? Have a go at it. But if I was to come over there with you, Casey, and have a go, do I need to practice? Do I need to bring a fly rod? What, like, will you run me through how to throw sure. a fly rod and, and teach me everything I need sure. to know? Well, there's a lot of information online. I'm old enough that when I tried to learn a fly rod back in Taylor, Texas, the best I could hope for would be finding maybe photographs in a magazine, but more often than not, it was illustrations. And I, I'm self-taught, and there's a lot to be said for that matter, the benefits of it, but the quality of instruction isn't among them. <laughs> what is the best fish to eat? For you, southern part of New Zealand, what you catch, what's your favorite to eat, and how do you eat it? I, I fish primarily for brown trout. I, I still take a few, not as many as when I first moved here. If I'm going to harvest one, I don't want to go for a big one. It's a goose that laid the golden egg. But a three to four pounder is good to take to a party. I like to take one out of a river that has a good crayfish population because the the, the flesh of those trout is as red as salmon, wow. and it's, it's not inferior. It's superior to the you know farm raised salmon that we get here. Nobody should be eating farm raised salmon. They ought to go catch a fish themselves or buy from somebody who's doing sustainable harvest. But yep. rubber trout and rubber rubber salmon are going to mean the extinction of those species if we don't watch it with climate change. And how, but uh, they're, they're, Go ahead, sir. I was going to say, and how do you cook it, or do you smoke it, or how, how do you prefer I, your trout? I, some people like to do a simple lemon and butter or bake it, um, oh, but I, wow. I like smoking it because I'll put it in a, a bouillie best with some greenlit mussels from New Zealand and maybe some big prawns oh. or something, that, and, you know, a tomato base, the Italian style or French style. I'll serve that over pasta, but what I really like to do is smoke it and serve it in fish tacos and, uh, uh, you know, with some fresh tortillas and nice cheese and oh. a nice sauce. And I can eat those all day long. So I can eat them every day. Every day. Oh. <laughs> every day. <laughs> I highly recommend smoked trout with black beans or refried beans and guacamole. And oh. a simple yeah. thing in it. You know, you just smoke it up. You you mash up your guacamole and uh, get out your favorite hot sauce, toast your tortillas, little cheese, bang, and it's colorful. And it's a nice thing to do in a summer evening. Or you can take it to, in a salad with artichoke, oh. olives, and and uh, avocados and some kind of vinaigrette dressing. That's, or you can just serve it um, 
a smoke trout with a head and, and tail on, including, you know, the eyes looking up, you make a little slit at the bottom of the trout, and then you, you uh, lift that up and you put a fork in it so that people can serve themselves and they can peel it off along the ribs. And I, that's kind of a European style. I, I think it looks nice on a big spread. Well, you know, you Casey, it's a variation. It of yeah, so yeah. many different variations. We <laughs> we love it. Wildangler.com, that's where they can get all the information. We can see how passionate yep. you are about fly fishing and trout fishing. But what other seafood can you get down in that southern parts of New Zealand? Like you're just talking crayfish, your mussels. Yeah. You can, if you know what you're doing, you can go uh, gather crayfish. You just look at the size limits and everything. We've got, we've got good uh, crayfish and power. Uh, I've got a friend who used to be a commercial power operator. But those in greenlit mussels and blue cod, increasingly kingfish are coming south, and they're really good eating. And a kawa, if you believe them. Some people don't like kawa, but I like kawa. It's, it's fun. Are, are they full of bones, or is that a myth? Mm, yeah, they're. <laughs> it's whether or not you can you can clean around the rib cage with a thin knife you can get a feel to yeah. fill it out but yeah, oh, if you do it wrong you know they're full of bones but if you do it right now one thing I want to know yeah. because you are the trout whisperer Casey and I've never heard anyone so inspirational talk about fly yeah. fishing or trout like this it's, I love it. it explain to me dry wet fly do you have to come to your charter and use a fly rod like me? I've never fly fished in my life. No, I, I, I'll take spin fishers out. Uh, we need a little deeper water, but I've taken spin fishers out <laughs> numerous times. In fact, uh, one time I had this honeymoon couple from Japan, and the, the man had the most expensive spinning gear I'd ever seen. It had inlaid, you know, grip and all. I'd hate to wonder what that cost. And it's funny, he was. Uh, he was a rocket scientist, and his wife was a brain surgeon. Oh, what? And I took, wow. I took for no, I, I kid you not. This plays into it later. Uh, <laughs> so I took him out, and he did really well. He landed like six good fish, you know, two and a half to four pounds, and she, she probably got three. And then at the end of the day, I wanted to show him a place on the middle of Matara, below uh, around Matara Township, the biggest natural falls on the river. It foams up there, and sea runs get trapped, and a few salmon. There's a consistent rise there because of these foam mats that float down from the falls. And the trout will come and suck flies off the bottom of the floating foam. And we call that, you know, uh, that's the Matara mayfly moose. And there's this rock that juts out in, above the pool, and the locals call it pulpit rock. But Japanese fishermen uh, who go out with a local guy who specializes in Japanese people, um, they called it the cappuccino pool because it looks like you yeah, got yeah, cappuccino coffee. Yeah, and uh, the, the fish were on the rise that day, and I showed the, showed the client that. And he tried catching them with a spinning rod. I said, sometimes a spinning rod's not the way to go. If they're eating on the surface, that's where you got to serve them. And so he couldn't quite cast them, but I cast a one and, and hooked it and gave him the rod. And it was probably a five-pound fish, and it went deep and long. And, you know, he, he felt it much more in that, you know, five-weight fly rod. Then he broke it off. And he's like, ah. And so I hooked another one, and uh, he broke that off too. And then I gave him a fly rod and started casting. Couldn't get one, but it was time to go. And he had this look on his face like I tricked him into something, you know, yeah. that I've lured him <laughs> to get him to a expensive spinning rod and a spinning way a lot. But in the end, I said, look, you can still spin fish, uh, but sometimes it's fun to catch them on the surface, and it's not rocket science or brain surgery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I love it. Yeah. Hey, Casey, 
Thank you very much for joining us. We have learnt so much, and I think everybody oh. that is listening is learning so much about uh, you know the art and the technique of fly fishing and, it, the, and going after those proper big big yeah, browns. It is an art to it. Yeah, you can learn the basics of casting in ten or fifteen minutes, and you can spend the rest of your life fiddling with it. And you're always learning, and it's not something for a bunch of well-to-do people only. Like if you go to Montana or you go to Gore. You'll find all those blue-collar people that work in agriculture who are excellent dry fly fishermen. And uh, it's a fun thing. It's not that we're condescending to spin fishermen. It's that it's a, it's a lot of bloody fun. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds Thank you. like it. You're very passionate. Thank you very much. The uh, yeah, thanks for the interest, guys. Good luck with the podcast. I'll tell you something. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. He made us sound dumb. Oh, definitely. <laughs> He's he's been involved with rocket science of spider. I mean, <laughs> he was the most knowledgeable man, a Texan in the South Island of New Zealand. Hang on, before we and I want to tell this story again because I love it. But okay, he took a rocket science scientist, yep, and a brain surgeon yep. out fishing. Yeah. Now you've met a physicist. A physicist. Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty clever. He was a good bloke too. But he had Sam- nothing on me. I'm Sambo. A, yeah, Sambo, that's him. If you're out there, Sambo, g'day. Remember me? It's Herb, the window physicist. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've got the brain of a small plum. But anyway, <laughs> I, I love know. fishing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well done to Casey. Yep. Yeah, check out New Zealand. Check him out, wildangler.com. But just an amazing story. But Fly you know what's been paradise. fascinating is we've been chatting to people all around the world yeah. about fishing. Yeah. And really interesting that... You know, you meet a lot of people who are fishing that area, but grew up in a completely opposite area. Different country. You know, seasons and different uh, lifestyles, completely different. Exactly. Like Casey, 30 years in the South Island of New Zealand, come from Texas. He's the most knowledgeable man I've ever spoken to about fishing. Guy knows everything. Everything. I've never met anybody like it. I thought I knew everything. I know nothing. I need to start oh, reading more hey. books or go fishing a bit more, I can oh, tell you. I could have answered that for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, Spider, today I've got a special guest, a friend of the fam, Shazza. She works at the Ingenia Over 50s Lifestyle Park up there at Harvey Bay, God's country. Well, hey, hang on, hang on. That's only... Uh... Not far away from me. I'm there next year. Four and a half hours, Spider. I'll book you in a place. It is one of the most magnificent places. She's an awesome fisher. Her and hubby go fishing and travelling a lot. Shazza, how are you? Hello, hello. Really good, guys. Yourselves? Hey, can Dreaming. we ask? I know I'm serious. I'm only a year <laughs> off uh, getting into one of these over 50s uh, lifestyle resorts. What are they like? People absolutely oh, brag about them, rave about Can them. I tell you, they have a more social life than what we do. You know, look, I love working there. I've been with Ingenia for 11 years. But I tell you what, you know, they head off to their caravans. They have a great time. They're more social. I walk out there going, oh, my God, they're exhausting. I watch them going in and out every day, doing everything. And it's true. They always say when you retire, you don't have any time on your hands because they're always busy. And they are. So, yeah. good on them. Good but, on them. You work hard, you've got to play hard. Absolutely. But even in all the parks, Herb, um, yeah. sorry, but the, you have a whole lot of entertainment. Some of them have boat ramps. Some of them have their own boats. Some of them yeah. have a it's whole brilliant. clubs. Yeah. Clubs, happy hour. You know yeah. what I'm going to get? Oh. A fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to gain 10 years. <laughs> hey, at, at Harvey Bay, we've actually got a 4.9 Quintrex cruise about with a 90 horsepower in the back. Really? No way. What well, people can use? People use it. All you have to do is when you bring it back, you clean it. You have to share your fish. Um, 
but also just feel the fuel that you've used. That's uh, it. Seriously, wow. not bad, is it? Is that heavy? Whereabouts are you? You're in Harvey Bay. Now you've got. I know We're you've in got. Uranian. Oh, in yeah. Urangan in Harvey Bay. Yep. Mm. Near the boat ramp. Yeah. Yeah. We're only six minutes away from the boat ramp. Oh. Oh, and then also we're only just down the road from Riverheads where you can get the ferry to Fraser Island. So, yeah, it is God's country. We're no. very lucky. Oh, yeah. Shazza, stop bragging. There you go. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you did uh, – you, you mentioned uh, to us uh, a couple of weeks ago about a PB Barra. What's the mm. story? Because just to set this up, yeah, uh, just to give you a bit of an insight, Herb is our Australia's greatest fisherman. Oh, here we go. Okay. And her, well, hang on. Just <laughs> yeah. so Shazza knows. Yeah, spit where, it out. Where, you've caught a barra. Herb's caught a barra. Yeah, in a farm. I've never caught a barra in the wild. <laughs> Stop bragging about that spider. We've heard so, about this. So, <laughs> we're talking about Shazza's barra. Yeah, I oh, know. Just to let Shazza know, I caught a one. I caught an 86 uh, barbless. Did you or Boston? No, I did. Oh, yeah. Barbless at the barbless. Barra Nationals one year. Do you know what barbless is, spider? <laughs> no. <laughs> They just said, that's 86 barbless. I'm running with it. All right. Enough Shaz, about you. What happened? Oh, God, guys. I was with a bass in Queensland, my hubby and I, in the, in the boat. It was day two. It was a really good afternoon session. And um, there was about 30 or 40 boats in this comp. So it was what a really good day. What competition was it? Uh, bass in Queensland. Yep. Perfect. This is this is going back in the days. Yeah. Okay. Going back in the days. Yeah. And uh, so we were, hubby and I were sort of like a bit competitive with all of our friends in our other boats, but we were flicking along the weed edge as you do. And oh my God, a huge explosion. Hubby got this 110 barra. Oh, it was brilliant. Bang. Oh, that is what, like a life. Dance. Oh, that is that is a lifetime catch. A like, meter barra. That is the PB. That that is the pinnacle of barra fishing. It was the PB and have you ever caught a have you ever caught a meter barra? I have several. Oh, now oh, you're hey, Sorry, yeah. guys, but we lived in Darwin for six years and oh, we we've, yeah. we've travelled Australia fishing. I'm sorry, I've got. <laughs> 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 right, I think my to... my PB is about a, a one seventeen or something, but hubby's oh. is one twenty seven. Oh, I, I tell you what, if the hubby ever goes, ring Herb. He's pretty excited. Yeah, <laughs> <I'd come. laughs> Anyway, anyway, back to the we're back to anyway, the big explosion. So, yeah, the big explosion. He, he got the fought the fought the fish well, got it in the boat. Yeah, and we we've got the ribbon on it as you do. You have got to take the photo for proof and evidence. Yeah. Yes, and hubby was he did a happy dance and all the yelling and carrying and the swearing that he does. Yeah, but on release of it, uh, it was my job. I got a fitch, picture of it releasing and. I didn't put the cord around my wrist so the camera went to the bottom of the water. No oh, way! <laughs> he never caught it! He's got no evidence! Oh, how devastated Shit. would he have been? Oh, he gave me the death star from hell. Can I? Um, oh. She was a shocker. Guys, it was terrible. I was disowned and divorced all in one moment. Oh, in the doghouse. That how is terrible. How long did it take him to come around to talk to you? Oh, God, even his mate's going, come on, mate, it can't be that bad. I think it was the following morning because we had to get back out in the boat. Um, but, no, it took a while. The I, coaxing from his mates so, was the best. Can I talk about this? Because this is funny. <laughs> it reminds me of a story, right? Yeah. Because what kind of camera was it? It wasn't like the cameras of today, was it? No, not at all. God, you'd be using your phone and at the east station. That was the old, you know, square little round one with a, just the tiny thing you put on your arm. It wasn't, wasn't anything special, but it did the trick, but bloody hell. Yeah. I remember, Shaz, mm. um, one day I was filming myself, just I do a TV show, and I had to film myself in my little tinny just cruising past, look like I'm fishing. 
So I put the GoPro up on a little jetty. Yeah, it looked like a hut. No, this is the, the tricks of camera. The tricks of. So anyway, I put the GoPro on the jetty, and there I am. I'm putting past it, and I'm just flicking the flicking the lures out, pretending I'm fishing. And I suddenly look over the jetty, and there's no GoPro. The GoPro's fallen in. Now my wife did exact. She went. I didn't tell her because I knew she would have gone absolutely bunter. So when she went to pick up the young fella from school, I had to get the fishing net, get a broom, tape the broom to the fishing net, and scrape the bottom of the water, and ended up finding it. Did you? You got it. So she doesn't know any different. You would have been. Hey, but at the end of the day, did it work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got <laughs> enough vision. Yeah, if, if that was me, Chazer, I would have threw you straight in after it after that, especially <laughs> oh. in a fishing comp. Is it, is it, was oh, there crocodiles there? No, no, unfortunately. Yeah, well, lucky for me, there wasn't because I reckon I could have been eaten by a few from his, his stare. But anyway, <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't always go the right way. We even, we even, even when you have those really exciting moments and you're just shaking, sometimes it can go... Badly, very quickly. Well, I know one thing, Shaz. <laughs> uh, one great thing is that uh, you've got a couple of stories for us. So, you know what? Make sure you stick around because Shaz is joining us next week. Yeah. You've got a story about uh, the rod, line, and fish. I can't wait to hear about this. Mm. Right, yeah. <laughs> Make sure. Thanks for joining us. If it's any as good as the first one, it's going to be a belter, <laughs> all right? Uh, stay safe on the water. Over. Make sure you uh, tell your mates about it. Make sure you follow us on all the social media as well. And uh, tune in next time. That's it.